0: Well, if you want to open up to Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 12 through 20 this morning. Philippians 1, 12 through 20. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And in that, I rejoice, yes, I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my year expectation and hope that I will not at all be ashamed, but with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Well, the context here is really... The second half of verse twelve, what has happened to me? and Paul, what does he mean there? It just depends on how far back he's going, but certainly it must mean his imprisonment in Rome because he talks about the imperial guard in verse thirteen, but it may go all the way back to the shipwreck and the winter you know they were trying to winter and they couldn't get there. It could all go all the way back to uh, his appeal. Uh, to Caesar, and the two years he spent when Felix would, I think it was Felix, would call him in and talk to him and was hoping to get money from Paul and then send him back. And so we don't know how far back he means what has happened to me, but he's talking about a lot of things that appeared from the outward, outward appearances negative and hard, and one after the other. And so here he is in a situation that is not what you would choose for yourself and certainly not what he planned for himself. And so today I want you to start by just asking you to think about a trial in your life, a difficult trial. Maybe it could be something you're going through now or coming out of or something in the past. So I'm going to start, give you just a second to think and um, bring one to mind, difficult trial. I hope this would be helpful um, for me. Sometimes people say Romans eight twenty eight, which is God works all things together for good, and that's really what Paul ends up saying here and his kind of his point. He says, "I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to the advance the gospel," and he goes into some other positives. But for me personally, I th- I think one day we'll get to the place when we meet the Lord that. Romans eight twenty eight is enough. Just that's what it says. God works all things for good. God never lies. I can believe it. And I've got peace in my heart and I can move on. But for me, that's not how it is right now. Uh, I think it's not God's fault at all. I think it's, uh just shows my lack, um, a lack in me. But I have to do more than that. I have to sit down. I have to think and kind of wrestle more than just, childlike trust God said that's it which I would love to have but I just don't right now that's where I'm at and so for me what I want to do before we get into this verse is do what I do to myself sometimes which is take a step back and there's really only three options so you have a difficult trial you thought of one in your life hopefully and there's really only three options um, and it has to be one of these and that Whatever is going on in your life, the first option is what we said the Bible says, which is God has a good purpose. God works all things together for good. The second option is God has no purpose, that it's something random that is kind of a byproduct of free will and all those things, and you've probably heard that before. Or it's that God has an evil purpose, and those are the only three options. Either God has a good purpose, God has no purpose, or God has an evil purpose. And so for me... I take a step back from Romans 8.28 and say, why, why is this true? Why must this be true? And the first, we can eliminate the first one that God has an evil purpose, can't we? That's pretty easy to do, but let's look at some verses that make it even easier. Proverbs 14.22 says, Do not they go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. So it says, if you plan evil... um, That you're going astray. And if you plan good, you need steadfast love and faithfulness. Isaiah 32, 7 and 8 says something similar. It says, As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil. He plans wicked schemes, but he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. So if we were going to say that God has an evil purpose, whatever it is in your life, difficult trial, if you end up saying, God has an evil purpose, or even thinking it in the back of your mind, what you're really saying is, God is a scoundrel. And God is going astray. And the reality is, is we know that's not true. But for me, sometimes I have to bring that thought out into the light. And read the verses. And it's not something I think consciously God has an evil purpose. But something that kind of lurks in the back of my mind until I bring it out and say, I know that's not true. And so we can eliminate that first one. Well, what about the second one? Does God have no purpose? Is there difficult things that come in that God, in general, is trying to do good, but there's these things that slip through the cracks that are kind of unintended consequences? It's like with um, medicine. I take an allergy pill, and it says right on there, uh, may cause headaches and may make you drowsy. Those are, they call them unintended side effects. So here's this good purpose, but there's these other negative side effects. They're not intended. They didn't, the purpose, unintended means that's not the purpose. They didn't intend to give me a headache, but it may have just kind of happened. And it comes with, you know, a natural side effect of this other positive thing. Is that what's happened to us with God? Are there unintended side effects? God wants good, but there's sin in the world, so there's all these unintended side effects that are negative. Well, the reality is is that the Bible teaches there are no unintended side effects. Uh, Ephesians 1.11 says, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. So, if everything is working, all things are working according to the counsel of his will, that means that the world has no unintended side effects. Not one. There's nothing unintended that God is working everything to the counsel of his will And what is that will? Um, Is it good or evil? We already said it can't be evil. So where does that leave us? It leaves us with only one option, that God has a good purpose. That's the only option left. We know that God doesn't do anything and have no purpose. The Bible even specifically says that if you see evil coming and you just let it happen for no reason, that God will call you out and judge you for it. I'll read you that verse here from Proverbs 24. It says, Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who knows the heart perceive it? So he says, You see this person, they're about to stumble to their death, and you just sit back and don't do anything, and you know you should have stepped in to stop the evil, then you're guilty, and God knows your heart. And God's not like that. God doesn't let evil things happen for no reason, just sit back, and uh, let evil things happen. He has a purpose in everything he does. And like we already said, Romans 8.28 is one verse. Genesis 50.20 is kind of the Old Testament version of that. As for for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So that basically is, in one way, an argument up to Romans eight twenty eight, or this, what really what Paul is saying here, or Genesis fifty twenty. It's not just saying that God works all things together for good, but that God must work all things together for good if He's good and if He's God, and if the, what the Bible says is true. Not only does it say He will in the Bible, but if God is good, He must. He doesn't let evil things happen for no reason, and he certainly doesn't plan evil. So if God is God and God is good, God must work all things together for good. He has to, according to the Bible. And this is really what Paul starts out in verse 12 here, Philippians 1 saying, I want you to know, what does he want us to know? I want you to know, brothers, that what happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So here's these negative things. There's some tension in professing Christianity in Rome. It seems like people are, you know, he says specifically they're preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, thinking to afflict him. So that's a pretty negative circumstance. But he is not focusing on that. He doesn't say, I want you to know about these other guys doing the wrong thing. He says, I want you to know what God's doing and God's doing a good thing. And what he's doing is advancing the gospel. Uh, And this phrase here, what has happened to me has really served to, and then insert whatever good purpose God has, could be applied to every single person's life. We could all say this. Whatever the trial was you thought about, you could say this phrase, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served, and insert whatever it is, that good purpose God has. You may not know what it is yet, but God does have a good purpose for whatever difficulty is in your life. It may be the advance of the gospel. It may be just making you value Jesus more and maybe making you draw near to Jesus more it may be making you more dependent on the Father and on Christ for guidance and wisdom it may be just glory to God other people see you respond in a godly way and they give glory to God just like the centurion at the cross of Christ where he said that surely this, uh, I, actually I'm blanking on what he said, but he gave glory to God. And that's the case for you, wherever you're at. Whatever's going on, you can say this phrase with Paul, what has happened to me has really served, and then put in whatever purpose God has, which you may or may not know yet. And there's a good illustration, you know, in the bible the best is the cross i mean think about judas and jesus well judas had a plan what was the plan betray jesus for 30 pieces of silver what was his purpose it was evil judas intended evil he actually valued 30 pieces of silver more than he valued knowing the son of god and that is evil and to betray an innocent man that's evil and was his purpose to do good absolutely not it was evil but what was god's purpose God's purpose was for good and for our good, for everyone's good. Even the people that were mocking him on the cross, he was out there and up there for their good. And so Jesus could say this. I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served and then we could insert a thousand good things that it served. It served our forgiveness, our redemption, our regeneration, the sending of the spirit. We could go on and on all day, all the good things that it served. But that's the same for everything in our life. And that's that little word, all. All. Works all things together for good. Now I'll tell you a story from Whitfield. This, is, this was the, I felt like, one of the best parts of the sermon. I forgot to share it in the last meeting. So, lucky you that you came to the second one. Um, Whitfield... Was Al, and you know he traveled on horse. Whitfield back in the 17, uh, late 1700s, was traveling around preaching, and he uh, he gave some money, actually quite a bit of money, five guineas, which was they were gold coins. It was about what a the head servant in a household would make in a year. So the head um, housemaid, so she makes in a year five guineas, and Whitfield gives away five guineas to this lady who's in need. And the guy who's with him kind of rebukes him. You shouldn't have given away that much money. That was unwise. And they kind of had a little argument or whatever. But as they go on, they're on their horse, and somebody gallops up on his horse and robs them, And he takes all their money. And then Whitfield tells the guy, See, I did the right thing. <laughs> and so they gallop on, and they don't have any money. And they, it must be winter, because the guy comes back, and he says... So he he already robbed him once and he came back again and they asked him what's going on. He said, I want your coat too, Whitfield. Like I want that coat. It's a nice coat. But he gives Whitfield his old coat, the robber's coat. So I wonder if he was worried Whitfield would freeze to death or something like that, which is interesting. But he gives him his old coat and he takes Whitfield's nice coat and he and he rides off. So they're riding back to the next city, you know. His coat's gone, his money's gone, and they hear the guy riding up again. And so they start galloping faster because they're pretty close to the city. They don't know what he's going to do next. So they get into the city, and the guy doesn't catch up with him. But Whitfield puts his hand in the guy's pocket, and he finds 100 guineas. So the guy stole Whitfield's coat, stole all his money, and he gave him his coat. And what he forgot was in his pocket he had 100 guineas. So Whitfield gave away five guineas, and he got back 20 times as much. How did he get it back? Well... The robber intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. And I'm sure he gave all those 100 guineas away. Um, And that's what's happening to you. And that's what's happening to me. That you may not be to the city yet, and you may not have put your hand in your pocket, and you might think, why is this guy coming back again? Um, But the reality is, is God's put 100 guineas in your pocket. And you don't know it yet, but He has. And it may not be money. It may be. I mean, think about this. There's martyrs right now that the vast majority of the world considers heretics, you know, and they were burned at the stake. And that sounds like a pretty difficult situation. But they got a crown. And maybe everyone thinks they weren't even real Christians. Um, I've read some quotes from the. Heretics that were burned, that sounded pretty good. (laughs) And sounded like maybe they were the ones that had it figured out and really knew the Lord. And even nobody, everybody looks down um, and nobody even knows what they said anymore. But you know what? They got a crown and they met the Lord and it was for his glory. And that's the same for you and me. Wherever we're at, God has a good purpose And it may not be right now that you see it, but you will see it, and God will explain it. You know, Jesus said he'll wipe away every tear from our eye, you know. And remember that verse about he's our counselor, wonderful counselor, mighty God, I think is that how it goes. I'm sure Jesus is going to be a great counselor. It doesn't say there's not going to be any tears. It says he's going to wipe away the tears. So I'm sure that you and I are going to have some questions, and we're going to, break down crying and say what about this would you explain it and he will and he will wipe away the tears and I'll tell you why and that's gonna be really encouraging and um, and we can rejoice and that's the next point you know not only that God has something good for you but we can rejoice where we're at right now there's a lot of reasons the first one we talked about is God may show you that there's something good and you may be able to rejoice just like Paul the Gospel's advancing. I can see others are more bold to speak the Word because of my imprisonment. They saw me speak the word boldly i got I went, and I went to prison and they thought I want to be more like that, and they were like that too, and so they they gained boldness um or it may be just simply that people see you're there for Christ. That's what he says in thirteen. It became known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest the imperial guard there was just this guard that uh, Caesar was like kind of his elite guard that was the only military force allowed in Rome everybody else and kind of weird to think about but a lot of the military couldn't even go into Rome only this elite imperial guard they didn't want he didn't want just any military getting in to get close to the emperor and so that's who he's talking about all the rest who are all the rest we don't know maybe it's all the rest of the prisoners maybe it's everybody who works there We don't know who all the rest is, but a lot of people heard that Paul was there for Christ, and that's a good thing. It's encouraging that he was there to honor the Lord, and that's what he says at the end, really, of what we read, verse 20. He knows that whatever happens, whether he lives or dies, Christ will be honored in my body. So he's saying, I'm here for Christ, Christ is going to have the honor, and yes, I will rejoice, in that I rejoice, and I will rejoice. So not only can you rejoice in the good that God's doing, but you can rejoice just that you're there for Jesus and you're trying to honor Jesus. And really, the harder it gets, the more glory it is to Jesus, isn't it? It's, this is kind of a silly illustration, but if you're going through something hard, it might be good to laugh anyways. But I, um, I was talking to one of the other guys, and I said, jokingly, Half serious, half joking. When it gets hard, I just kind of imagine my life's like uh, episodes of dirty jobs. You know, you go in and you do this dirty job and, and you kind of see how it is and you learn something and you move on. And I don't know if you've ever seen that. I ha- actually haven't even seen it, so don't. I'm not recommending it. You might want to look and see if it's clean or whatever first. But I know the concept. The, the guy named, is named Mike Rowe. Who does this And so if you don't know what it is, he basically just goes and does all the dirtiest jobs and um, cleans out the sewers and all that kind of stuff. And the way he actually started the show was he got the idea from his grandfather, who kind of was this hard-working, dirty job type of guy, and so he really did it to honor his grandfather, which is pretty encouraging really to think, think about. And I don't know if his grandfather was alive or not when the show came out, but imagine if he was. The harder it got, do you think the more honor he felt watching his grandson, you know, climb down into the sewer up to his neck. I'm sure the worse it got, the more honored he felt. And that's kind of how it is with Jesus, I think. I mean, it gets bad. It gets worse. You just remember, yeah, but I'm here for Jesus. And you're doing it for his glory. And Another half-serious, half-joking kind of uh, comment is that parenting is a lot more like dirty jobs than any of us wants to admit. And if you think about it like that and you laugh, it sure makes it a lot easier. <laughs> and um, you can't repeat them from the pulpit, but you can laugh about them later. <laughs> uh, and you're there for the Lord, aren't you? That's why you're doing it. And so Jesus, Jesus loves us just as much as Mike Rowe's grandfather loves him and more, doesn't he? And he looks down, and he knows that we're doing it for him, and he, he's honored by that, and he's thankful for that, and we can rejoice in that. Even if we can't see the good that's coming out of it, we can at least know the person this is for is watching, and they know. And that's good. That's another thing we can rejoice in. That's the second thing. And what's another thing? What else can, how, why else can we rejoice? What is Paul saying here? Well, he's rejoicing in the effects, the good effects. He's rejoicing that he's there for the glory of Christ. And it seems like he's rejoicing, this one you have to read between the lines, but it seems like he's rejoicing in this others, but others. If you notice that phrase, but others. And that phrase is in verse 15, but others. So he's kind of talking about there's some negative, but there's others who preach out of goodwill and and out of love. And we can apply this to our lives too. However bad it gets, there's always going to be a but others. Because there's always going to be Christians. That there's going to be real Christians, that we can always we could focus on the negative. Here's this negative thing going on. Or we could focus on the positive and remember the but others. Yeah, maybe this is negative, but but others are patient, but others are kind and rejoice in that. And all this is really Paul living out what he calls them to do later on in the in the book. Look at um look with me at chapter four here let's look at two verses here from chapter four. Paul's doing the very thing here in his own life that he commands them to do later on. Four: four: Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice." You're on trial," Paul is. and he's in prison. Someone's already prophesied to him that he's going to uh, go to Rome and be bound. And not only that, there's this tension uh, between the professing Christians. And yet, what is Paul doing? He says, I rejoice and I will rejoice. He's doing the very thing he calls them to do later on. Not only that, jump down to verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Well, he's doing that here, isn't he? Here's this difficult situation, and he's looking at the very specific positives, and he's wanting to not only th- think about them himself; he's thought about it, but he's pointing it out to the Philippians. I want you to know about these things, and the 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 thrust of Philippians one twelve through twenty is not a negative thrust. It's not. It's not. But I want you to know, brothers, about these guys over here doing the wrong thing. He's saying. But I want you to know what God's doing, how God's getting glory, how God's advancing the gospel. And that's what he's rejoicing in. That's what's enabling him to rejoice. He's living it out. He's thinking about the true, the lovely, the just, the commendable. And that's another application for us. Wherever you're at, you know, when I ask about the trial going in your life you you can't focus on the negative. I mean, you can't stew about it. The Bible commands us not to, you know, forsake anger. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself over to evildoers. Uh, it tends only to evil. And so what does the Bible want us to do? Do exactly what Paul did. Look at the positive. Look at the glory of Christ. Look at the advancement of the gospel. Look at how he's growing us. Look at how He's what positive things are going on that God's doing. And and rejoice in it. I'm just going to tell you uh, one more story before I f- kind of wrap it up. And I just realized I forgot this one in the first meeting too. Oh well. Um, it's nice to have two tries. That is something I can rejoice in. I've got two tries uh, to get it right. So... I can praise God for that. Okay, here's the second story. This one's actually from my life. We used to go downtown in Kansas City, and there's this area uh, where there's all these bars, and you, a lot of people come on the weekends to, you know, go to these bars. And we would go down there and pass out tracks. And there's, you know, bars on like every corner, and, and we pass out tracks and. Uh, preach the gospel, like you could use a mic and a little amplifier. And so we would do that, and it was interesting um, and different. And there's one story that sticks out to me that on the outside it looks awful. I mean, it looks like the worst, most dishonoring thing that could happen almost to the Lord. But it really turned out for the advancement of the gospel. So what happened was there's a guy out there. There's a guy there that's really encouraging. Maybe I should just do what I'm preaching him out and tell you. There's this really encouraging guy. I don't even remember his name, but he's a lawyer in Kansas City, and he goes down, he spends his weekends preaching the gospel in this pretty hostile situation um, and passing out tracts. And he, he's, he's a well-to-do guy, could do a lot of things, but he's down there preaching, which is very encouraging, passing out tracts. And so he's the one kind of preaching and we're passing out tracks. And this guy comes out dressed like Jesus in the picture book. So he's got a long white robe, you know, like a, like a, if you know what a choir robe is like, you know, like a big choir robe and he's got long hair and a beard parted. And he goes up to the guy preaching and stands next to him and starts saying, I didn't send this guy. This guy is not telling you, um, you know, the words of God. He's not for me. And it's just a mockery. And it, people are laughing. And and it's horrible. It's like the worst thing you could... One of the worst things I could imagine doing to somebody. But his friend came to watch. And I went over and talked to his friend and shared a gospel with him for 40 minutes. And he... I think he just felt guilty, honestly, about what they were doing. And he, he, he didn't accept the Lord or, you know... Repent, or there was no big turning. But I could tell his conscience was really bothered, and that's an encouragement. And so, from the outside, nobody else. Actually, I don't. I wonder if I've even never shared this story. I should ask Jess if I've never told her about it. But uh, from the outside, oh, it looks horrible. It looks so dishonoring to God. It's it's a, it's a it's literally making fun of Jesus. And yet, what was God doing? I don't know, I don't know what happened to that guy but he was affected, I mean and it may just have been guilt but the gospel is advancing behind the scenes and that is an encouragement and we don't know we don't know uh, that on that one instance God allowed me to be involved but there's others that I can think of where I didn't get to see that that interaction and so I don't know so how can we apply this to our lives you know I think it's obvious some of the things that we've already said are obvious to apply. We want to do like Paul: rejoice, rejoice now, and commit to rejoice. He doesn't just say, "I rejoice once I see these good things." He says, "I rejoice and I will rejoice." It's just like the psalmist; he's like he's committing to praise God over and over. He's he's not only saying he does praise God; he's saying every day I will praise God. So that's one thing we can do, just commit. You know what? I'm going to look back and I'm going to rejoice in what I can see and I'm going to commit today. I'm going to rejoice in the future. I want to commit to that and we can ask the Lord, help me to do it. We can commit like Paul to rejoice. Well, what else? You could ask God to show you, God, would you pull back the veil just a little bit? Show me something positive going on uh, that you're doing that I can rejoice in. We can rejoice in others. The But others, we can rejoice. Uh, This week I sat down. I was thinking about... I was just falling into um, exactly the thing I'm telling you not to do, which is just focus on the negative. And it just was horrible. And um, not healthy or helpful. And so I was reading through this, preparing, and I sat down and I wrote a little note to some but others and just said... Yeah, here's some negative. You know, I know I've been focusing on these negative things. But I'm just going to set that aside. And I'm going to look at the, at the foil. Yeah, there's some negative things. But there's some really positive things. And write a thank you note to those people. And just say, you know what? I'm so thankful for the way you've been. And I just went into some positive Christ-like things that I've seen. And just run a little thank you note. And it was good for my soul. Much better than focusing on the negative. And it gives glory to God. Just, um, just like that story, a good example would be that story about the guy dressing up like Jesus. You could focus your entire attention on that guy or you could focus on the guy next to him who's preaching the gospel and he's not flustered and he's being kind. And he, he knew the guy by name. He knew who he was. And he was talking to him real nice. Like, I, can't, I think his name maybe was... I can't even remember, but, um, but basically he's calling him by name and said, why are you out here doing this, you know, and, and they'd had talks before. And I think he had even said he wasn't going to do stuff like this, but um, real nice to him. We could focus on that guy and say, praise the Lord for that guy. It'd be easy to get upset. It'd be easy to lose your cool, but he didn't. And um, praise God for that guy. Anyways, so that's another thing. Focus on the positives. Uh, Focus on those who are being uh, the positives in in those situations, the positive examples. One other application before we close is just, I want you to just to notice that God cares about how you think. You're in this situation, whatever situation you're in that you thought about, you know, at the very beginning of your difficult trial. God is looking and he is concerned about how you're thinking. And that's why this word mind comes up in Philippians, you know, repeatedly translated differently. But it comes up repeat, repeatedly. Have this mind in yourselves. So God is concerned about how you think. And later on, those verses we read in Philippians 4.8, think about these things. God is concerned, whatever trial you're in or whatever situation you're in, he's concerned about how you're thinking and he's wanting your mind to be shaped and he's wanting to point it in a certain direction. And the direction is towards him, towards what he's doing, towards the good things. And it's an, it's an opportunity for us, isn't it, just to have faith, just to exercise our faith in God. Wherever we're at, set our mind on the things that he's asked us to set our mind on, uh, true, commendable just and rejoice. It's, a, it's an exercise of faith, and it honors Christ. Honors Christ, we want to honor Christ in our minds, not just with how we act. We do want to honor him with how we act and with what we say, but we want to do it in our minds as well. And we can do that by setting them on where God is pointing us, you know, like horse blinders, you know. just Just look this way, don't worry about this. And it's easy to do, isn't it? It is for me, and I need help. And actually, another way you could apply this, if you uh, hear me being negative, I want you just to call me out on it and just say, hey, remember Philippians 4.8, or um, just remind me. That would be wonderful um, and helpful. So... That's really all I have um, today. I hope it's helpful to you, and and I hope um, if you get into a situation where you're struggling, that you could do what we did at the very beginning and go through. Does God? Is God? Do I really believe God's intending evil here? I know He's not. Does He have no purpose? I know He doesn't. I know He He has a purpose for all things, so He must have a good purpose, and then work through that. And I hope that will be an encouragement to you. Why don't we pray together to close. Lord, thank you so much for this meeting, this second meeting. Thank you for everyone here. Thank you that we're having two meetings. And uh, even though it's not ideal, we're thankful we get to have two meetings. Uh, just think about the nev- difficult things going on in our country, uh, coronavirus and these uh, real negative videos being released about the police. And uh, I just pray, Lord, that you would um, pull back the veil a little bit and we could see the gospel advancing and see justice prevailing and things like that in these negative circumstances. I pray for anybody, especially if there's somebody going through a rough time, uh, specifically just this week, that you would use this to encourage them. And if there's any kind of vague feelings that maybe you're not out for good or there's an accident that you didn't intend or something like that, um, I just pray you'd help use this to help. I pray you'd forgive us, pray you'd forgive me where I f- have certainly focused on the negative too much and pray you'd uh, turn my eyes towards the true, good, right, commendable things. Thank you for this passage. Thank you for Paul and his example. And we just lift all this uh, meeting up to you that we just had and pray that it was honoring and glorifying to you. Amen.